and welcome. How's everyone doing out there? I'm doing very well this evening. It has been a long day, but it's been a productive day. It's been a prosperous day and a joyful day. And I am so excited to be back in this virtual space with you all this evening, once again, for the Lotus Flower Podcast. We are in season three, episode number six of the Lotus Flower Podcast. And this evening, we are going to welcome you into the virtual space with a very important guest. Her name is Ms. Charday Chambliss. Tonight, she's going to share with us on the topic of the importance of voter education, knowing your rights. Ms. Chambliss was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. She graduated from Western Michigan University with a Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology and currently lives in Kalamazoo with her wonderful husband. Charday is a community advocate and has a deep passion for social justice, women's rights, education, and helping people. She currently serves as a planning commissioner for the city of Kalamazoo, Michigan, and oversees community development and growth opportunities for a better future in her city. She is the elections coordinator for the Kalamazoo County area where she oversees all election operations for the county. She has a wealth of community service that she has done thus far. To name a few, ministry with community help in various areas with adults and children, tender care nursing home, senior companion activity leader, the Salvation Army Angel Tree, Vista, Maria, Young Women Ministry Lead, American Cancer Society, Breast Cancer Team Leader and Educational Fundraising Coordinator, Community Advocates of Kalamazoo, Michigan, Fundraising and Community Involvement Leader, Grow Up Great Young Children Enrichment and Reading Program, Lakeside Young Women Enrichment Program and Leadership Team Member, the Women's Breakfast Club Media Support Team Leader, the Women's March Co-Leader of Planning, Planned Parenthood, co-leader, community events, and campaign fund leader. Ms. Charday is very passionate about serving in her community, especially serving those without a voice. Most, most importantly, she is a born-again Christian, and she keeps that at the forefront of all that she does. And so once again, I am so excited this evening to have with us none other than my friend, my sister in the Lord, as a featured guest, Ms. Charday Jones Chambers. Once again, our topic is the importance of voter education, knowing your rights, now, be sure to join me each and every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stream live here on Facebook and on the Lotus Flower YouTube channel. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. And each time you do so, you will never miss an episode because... When you click that bell and you click join, you, those episodes will drop right into your inbox. So make sure once again to like, to share your comments, and also subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. My guest tonight, Ms. Charday Chambliss, would greet you all at this time. 
Good evening, everyone. I'm Sharde Chambers. I want to thank you all that are watching live, that'll also be watching later. I hope that this blesses you and also educates you. And I just want to thank you all for supporting this platform, for watching the Lotus Flower podcast. And I um, also just want to thank Miss um, Pam for letting me be one of her guests, and it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of this, and I'm really excited, and I hope, again, that you guys, all the viewers who watch it live and who watch it later, that you also take some important pieces away from this, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being my guest this evening, and before we start our conversation this evening, we will pause for the station identification. wanted to give time for those of you that are just logging on to go ahead and join us. Grab your smartphones, grab your desktops, <laughs> grab your Surface computers, wherever you might find this podcast and come on and listen. This is going to be a good conversation this evening. Well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, Ms. Charday is the important topic of why did you decide to get involved in the process of voting and knowing your rights as a voter? And what gave you the passion to want to champion such a broad cause? What really um, inspired me, it started when I was in when I was younger, probably in high school, growing up in Detroit, I used to see a lot of politicians come around my neighborhood. They were always wanting to um, get people involved in politics. And I always was curious about it because I always wanted to know like what exactly, like what is all involved in politics? Like, do you have to have a degree? Like, you know, what all do you need to know? And then also like, what is this like dark side to politics and I wanted to further like know like what what's actually going on and why should I be involved and I just began to get a drive when I was in high school and once I be, um, got in college I had decided to join uh, President Obama who at the time was just a senator I had decided to join his campaign and I was just excited for something fresh and new and he just brought something that was really different and really got me wanting to be involved. And after being in his campaign, I kind of just got that political bug and I just wanted to be more involved and I wanted to educate people as much as I could and just wanted to push people to vote because there were so many people that I was around that didn't vote or always complained about different things or didn't like certain people that was in office. And I was like, you know, you can actually change that. You can vote them out or you can run for office. And I just felt like that was where I needed to be because there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me or that also thought like me in this arena. So I just decided that was where I wanted to be. Oh, good. And you you were able to decide that, I hear you saying, even as a young person. Yes. Even 
yes, as a young person with such a drive, with those politicians coming around to your door, and you you share with me that they would come around even when it wasn't time for an election. They would come around just to show their faces and just to make friends and just to let you all know who they were. So that relationship piece sounds like was paramount as well. Just being yes. able to have a face-to-face relationship with someone. Oh, yes. And not just showing up at, um, I, I like to say that oftentimes politicians would show up at at church during the election time and they would be there and they would they would say their spiel and all once a year but after that i would never see them again at the church at least and all but it's good to know that they were coming around on a regular basis not only during the time that the campaign was going on and relationships are very important and i would imagine especially in this area oh yes Yes, and all. So when you when you think about the importance of voting and having your voice be heard as a Christian woman that has served in various capacities in our community, as I was reading your bio, why is it important that Christians should take a stand and vote? I feel that it's important for Christians to take a stand and vote because there are so many things on the table. As we see, even in today's media, there's so many things on the table. And I feel like at least we can be there and to make our voices heard because there's so many debates on the table. You know, whether you stand here, whether you stand that, you know, this way, you know, if you vote this way, it'll mean you're, you know, a non-believer. If you vote this way, it'll mean you're a Christian. Or if you vote mm-hmm. this way, it'll mean so many different things. And I feel like it's very important for Christians to be at that table and to actually vote because if you choose not to vote and leave it into the world's hands, you're going to get what the world is going to give back. And it's not going to be what we need. And a lot of times I think as Christians, we have to step outside that box and, you know, really hold people accountable and also start fighting for things that you want to see happen. Because if we don't say anything, nothing will ever happen. And we can pray about it, which is awesome. But I'm always a firm believer. Prayer without works is dead. And Mm -hmm. we are here and we have to make our voices heard because it would be unjustly if we didn't vote and if we didn't participate and to show the world that we can we do have a voice. I see. Now, um, as I as I spoke with you, and before even before we met for the podcast, you shared with me that there was a time in your life that you were actually a probation officer mm-hmm. and working in that role. And I said, "You were." I was surprised that you were a probation <laughs> officer because, to me, it seems like it takes a, a certain type of person, and and um, people are mean and and burly and 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 are very, you know, and all that. That is just the typical stereotypical way that that I think we pro that we want to actually frame a person that is a probation officer. But before we go on talking about this and how you transition from that role into what you're doing now, can you tell me about how, when you were a probation officer, how did you actually help the people maybe that you were working with? Because that passion was in your heart then. If you said you started it in high school and then a probation officer, possibly after graduating from college, but I'm sure it was it, maybe it wasn't dormant in your inside of your spirit, but I'm sure it was with you at that time wanting to be able to serve in this capacity that you're in now. So how did you take some of the skills that you wanted to use in the voting arena to actually utilize in the role of being a probation officer and working in, in that arena? And for me, um, because like you said, I've always had a passion to serve people. I'm always have that big heart. And so when I was in the criminal justice system, it didn't bother me because I always had a passion and everybody needs to be loved and they need to be nurtured. And then there's some people that need a stern hand and, you know, need a different guidance. But like when I was in that arena, when I worked there, I would always let my clients knew who I worked with that you can work. 
even though you have a felony in the state of Michigan, you can still vote. I'm sorry. You can still go out and vote. And a lot of them were unaware of that. Like they didn't know that they could vote because they had basically been told like, you know, once you're convicted, you have this stain on you and you can't actively participate. And a lot of times they would come in and complain about the criminal justice system and complain about, you know, like when they have violations, like how much time they had to spend in jail and how much money they would have to pay in restitution. And I would always tell them like, those are things that you can actively change. You can go and vote people out that shouldn't be there. And you can read up on policy and see people, you know, this politician is saying this about you. This politician is saying this about criminal justice. And this is what they see. And this is the programs that they're taking away. And a lot of times, a lot of different clients that would come into our office, they would, you know, be questioned like, wow, I really can do that. I'm like, yes, I would share websites. I would share resources. Okay. This person, you know, this uh, politician is giving away free food or giving away free resources. And while they're giving that stuff out, go and question them about stuff, go and tell them, you know, the struggles that you have and how it's hard for you to find somewhere to live. And even with that, I had worked with um, a local city commissioner over in the city of Kalamazoo, and she helped with a program that would help felons get housing in the city of Kalamazoo and not be discriminated against. And that was one thing that I also told my clients about, hey, you can find a place to stay in the city of Kalamazoo, even though you're a felon, because this person, this elected official, this is a policy they're working on. And those are just little tidbits that I would share with clients that would come in just to let them know, because so many times they had no idea that any of this existed or that they actually had a voice. Because, you know, when you get into that setting, you're definitely shunned. And everybody thinks that, you know, you just go under a rock and die. And I would always share that with them. That is excellent that you see you were already advocating for people that didn't even think that they could vote. And they wouldn't have known anything about the process unless you had stepped in and shared that with them. And so even, and I wanted you to share that because I believe that there is someone out here that's listening that they want to move right into the realm that you're in right now. They, they want to know, how can I use my voice? I may not be actually doing the work right now, but I want to. And it's something that's laying dormant inside of my spirit, but I don't know how to be even begin. So if someone's out there, Ms. Charday, right now that's listening to us, what would you tell them about how to go about getting started in, in the area of working, even in, even in the polls or working to help someone with their campaign? How would they get started? Yeah. So to get started, um, like Ms. Pam was saying, like if you wanted to work at an election, you can talk to your local city or township clerk and apply. Those are paid positions. We're always looking for people to work the polls and to gain that experience. Let's say you're interested and you see somebody running for office, something that I did on my own was I would go to coffee hours and meet different people that are running for office. And if there was something in me where I felt like, you know what, I want to know more about this person, or maybe I want to help this person. I would then schedule personal meetings and get outside my comfort, get outside of my comfort zone. And I would meet with different people that are running for office and be like, you know what, I'm interested. I want to help you. Like, how can I get started? Whether it was knocking a door, whether it was hosting a fundraiser, whether it was just telling a neighbor to vote for this person and being involved and then learning what that person stood for. And that's, those are some things that I have done. And those are things that I always tell people to do too. And if you don't know, you know, what's going on, Google, search your clerk's office, see like, Hey, what elections are coming up? What offices are open? I'm curious. I want to be involved and Hey, mm -hmm. pass my number. If somebody's running for office, let them know I'm interested and just kind of get out there because there's so many avenues, whether it's paid or it's free. There's so many avenues. That's good. And it sounds like they've got to take the initiative, mm -hmm. take the initiative and go ahead and, and get out there, get your feet wet and go ahead and follow the passion that's inside of your spirit. If you're a Christian person or, or not the passion and the drive that you have, go ahead and take a risk. Sometimes it takes stepping outside of our comfort zone in order to reach the goal that you want to obtain. Now, how can 
someone get involved in politics that may be a believer or a non-believer and still stay true to themselves, meaning that we know that in politics sometimes there are people in that are political leaders that that are corrupt mm-hmm. and and they don't they do not have our best interests in mind and that they actually lose themselves in their integrity and all of that just because they want to win an election so they may tell lies they may oppress people just to win but if someone wants to get into the arena and we see a lot of that going on how can they stay true to themselves while they're actually serving in this capacity Ms. Sherday? The biggest thing I always say to people, and I've ran into this before, staying true to yourself while running, if you decide to run for office, whether you're a believer or non-believer, one thing you always need to make sure is that you're checking your mental compass. And this is what I always tell people. If something doesn't feel right to you, go back and reevaluate. Another thing that I always tell people that are wanting to be involved in politics, check with your family first. Make sure that it makes sense with the people that are going to be there when you're on the top and when you're on the bottom. Make sure that they also know that as well. And then when you decide to run, you know, make sure you do your homework and stick to pieces that are important to you especially if they go make sure that they mesh with whatever you want to be involved in. And even when, because when you do run for office, especially been in the United States, you do have to basically pick a party, no matter what party you pick, make sure that you always stay true to yourself. If there's something in that party that you don't agree with, make sure that you are upfront about that because you don't have to ride with everything. That's right. That's good. And, um, can you respond a little bit more about why is it important for them to check with their their family first before getting involved in the process? I always say check with family first because your family knows the real you and they know how much you can take. And most family members, people especially that pay attention, they know how poli- they know how politics run and they will be able to give you a real true mom, dad, sister, brother, husband, wife, like this, I don't know if this is for you, or maybe this is for you. And they can be honest with you. And I also tell people to check with their family too, because you're going to need that support. And if your family is not in support and they don't feel like it aligns with what's going on in a household, you are not going to succeed at all. I see. I see. So sounds to me like you do have family support then, would I be right to say? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's great. And also, when when we think about family support, when um, people are running for a political office or working in politics, I have noticed that their backgrounds are checked thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And when those backgrounds are checked thoroughly, those that are opposed to them will try to find something in their past to slander them and to bring controversy to that particular person. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? If a person, say if a person has a a background where they were younger and maybe they made some poor choices in their life. And so now they've got a a stain on their character. And And if a background check was done, then whatever this may have been that they did will appear on the background check, or maybe it was actually in the media. And so we know that even though we can take things down from our social media, it still does not disappear just because you deleted it. So a person that might not have the a stellar past or stellar background or their character may be a little shady. Are those people encouraged to run for office or are they encouraged to try and clear that stuff up or are they encouraged to just um, be upfront about what's what has happened when they're campaigning or working in a, in a particular um, office or whatnot or do you just go on and and just let the chips fall where they may because that's always been kind of a concern of mine that 
when I see that happening to people that that might want to run for office, especially maybe inner city black and brown people, and they want to run for office, but they don't have the best credentials or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how that works? And that's that's a 50-50 um, when it comes to that, because I have um, had those uncomfortable conversations where before somebody decides to run, that's definitely a conversation that you want to have up front. Do you have anything that if somebody were to go digging and to like dig up things to try to help you to try to, you know, shed negative light on you, do you have anything? And then how, what exactly is it? And the biggest thing, because you have to have tough skin and Mm -hmm. you either one decide, you know what, I'm not going to be able to run because I'm, I don't want to talk about the situation or two, if you do decide to run and this may or may not come up, because like you said, even with social media and everything else, singles come up, you have to be ready to talk about it. And then when you talk about it, you have to also be able to share how you got from point A to point B, because there can be troubles in your life. And then you have to be able to explain to the public, like, look, I'm human. This happened to me. And everybody won't understand your struggle. But as long as you're human and you're able to talk about it, because there are blemishes, and especially, you know, being in the black and brown community where you could have had an arrest, you could have had even a parent that could have had a dark past that also gets stained on you and you carry that weight. And you have to be able to explain it to people in a way and then also let them know, but I'm better than that because this is what I am now. This is who I am now. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to, you know, take that off and be able to explain it to people and people are going to, you know, carry whatever they want. But at the end of the day, you have to just go ahead and grab it by the reins and just be able to explain and, you know, and then take it from, and I always say, go to a high. In the words of Obama, like when they go low, we go high, like take it to a high note. They might've brought up something low about you. And then you go back in and it's like, but I'm better than this because I'm doing this. And a lot of times people look at you and they respect you more because of the obstacles and things people come from. Hey, that's good. That's good. Amen. That's good. So they should not be ashamed should, no, well, and afraid to move forward in this arena because of something that may have occurred in the past, a poor choice or whatnot. Yeah. that they've made. And you are right. You are right about that. Um, so when we talk a bit further about the area of voter and, and getting involved in, in the process, how can someone get involved in um, the elections? If say if, if they chose a party and they wanted to get involved in the, in the process and working, working the polls at doing election time, how can they go about getting involved in that particular process itself? As yeah, a so poll worker. As a poll worker, yeah. So basically, like as a poll worker, they can go and see like their local city or township clerk. They're always accepting applications. And then in the state of Michigan, our secretary of state is always collecting applications too virtually. So they always shift them out to whomever, you know, wants to work and they'll send them out to those different clerks and different offices. And a lot of people will end up places that they didn't even know that were in their backyard where they can actually work and participate. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a paid position or volunteer position? It is a paid position. I see. And with that position, can a person that might have a, have a a felony or, or misdemeanor or anything like that, can they actually participate as a poll worker? Yes, they actually can. They can participate because there's no, there's no um, background check that's done like that on them. The main thing, because there is no money being handled. There are no things that you can really take. And during the process, everybody is documented and, you know, connected. Cause we even take minors too, that can also work at 15 and 16. But yeah, whether you had a, a felony or a misdemeanor, you can always come back um, now, if there were some issues where you did some illegal things with voting, that might be something totally different. But as far as like, you know, like other crimes that you've committed, you can definitely still participate and be paid. Amen. That's good to know. Yes. And I hope that someone that's listening this evening or will listen later on that you heard what Ms. Charday said, that you can still vote, even if you have a felony or Mr. Meter, don't let that stop you from getting involved. Now tell me what factors affect 
voter participation? There's a lot of factors. Um, it really depends on what's on the ballot. Like if we're talking about um, abortion rights or we're talking about gun rights, those are huge pieces. And then I also think too, like when minorities are left out of the conversation, that also affects voters' participation as well. And when different things are left off the table or brought on the table, that determines how people participate. And then also when you don't engage voters. So like, you know, like you said, like if a politician shows up at a church or if a politician is knocking at your door, if you don't really engage voters, you're going to tend to either lose participation or if you're actually connecting with voters and that's how you're going to gain participation. But there's so many different things and personalities and all those different things that can affect voter participation. And definitely the political climate can definitely affect voter participation as well. When you say political climate, what what does that mean? Political climate, it's, it depends on what we have going on. So right now we're in a kind of like a war anti-gun type of climate. And that sets the tone because it kind of can create in a political world, kind of like a purple storm that they call, like where you have Republican and Democrats and you kind of get people that start to come in the middle and that can really affect how people vote and who you see in office because right now you can see majority of one party in office and with these different storms that are brewing when it comes to like gun violence and abortions and all those things that are brewing you'll see something totally different that could transpire into who we have in office because of the climate that's happening right now yes and knowing that as a person that works in the arena how do you utilize that to to shape how you're going to actually work in in your field or in your area does it affect the way that you that the way that you reach out to the community or the different uh, postings that you might put out on your social media or in your job or whatnot the climate itself Yes, it definitely does. And the one thing that I try to do because I interact with so many different people from different parties and different environments, whether they be Christian or non-believers. And I really like, especially during this season, I really have to tiptoe and I also have to be very careful with how I approach and talk about certain things and make sure that I keep a non-biased conversation and a non-biased area because you never want to incite one thing for one group or incite something for somebody else. So I always try to make sure that I am non-biased. And mm -hmm. if I'm talking about things, I'm only dealing with things that are current and on topic. I'm not getting to the left wing, the right wing. I'm trying to stay straight and narrow. So that way mm -hmm. nobody can misconstrue what's going on. And I don't want to also be offensive. And if I'm out in the community, I want to hear how the community feels too. And then I also want to make sure that my ear is there because so many times you run into people and they don't have the same background. You know, I'm, it's not every day you run into people where we all are into politics or we all are, you know, into different things. So I'm always trying to make sure that I'm mindful of that and that I don't mm -hmm. go over one, someone else's head. And then I also want to make sure that I'm staying straight and narrow and try to keep it positive. Exactly. And so you try and stay right in the middle. You don't mm -hmm. sway from one side to the next and all. And, and so at, in your position that you do, is is that you in the position that you have at this particular time then you you would not actually take on a particular party to 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 actually represent in in the open of course you could do that in the private or whatnot but in the open you would not right is that that's right mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yes and all because you're working with both both size democrat mm -hmm. and republican and those that are independent voters or whatnot yes mm -hmm. that's good now how is that difficult to to do to stay in a in an area that you're um not taking sides or you're non-biased or and all um when I was younger, it was difficult. As I've gotten older, it's been better for me to shift the conversation. And I say, um, it's easier now for me to pick up where someone is or like hear certain cues in the conversation. And then I'm like, oh, okay, let's stop right there and then kind of shift it to something else. <laughs> okay. 
So you kind of to discern where they're coming from. Yes. And then you can kind of shift it as they're mm-hmm. talking. That's good. That's a good skill. Is that a skill that you have to learn that you had to learn over time? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Well, tell me about a little some of the obstacles that you may have experienced in this particular uh, field that you're in now. I faced um, adversity. I faced um, discrimination, especially being a person of color. I, you know, I've dealt with ageism because definitely people think like, okay, they're older, so they have certain things. So I've faced that, and then I've also faced challenges from believers, um, which is kind of interesting. And you see kind of a flip where sometimes it's like the prayer is not really a positive prayer. It's done almost in a hate. And sometimes that can be, I would say that's more disheartening than anything when I've run into believers and feel that attack. And it's just really sad and disheartening because as believers, we should love each other. And I've dealt with so many different people in the world, like whether they're spewing, you know, being hateful because of my skin color or being hateful because of my age or being hateful because of my sex. And that part I've been able to, you know, deal with. But one of the challenges sometimes is when you run into people that are believers and they come, they can be very um, aggressive and not in a loving way is what you would expect. And sometimes it's it's very interesting. And that has definitely mm-hmm. been a challenge for me. Um, can you give me a, a concrete example without, na- of course, naming anything or, or an environment that it may have occurred in? But can you give us a concrete example of what you're of what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I sure can. There um, was an instance where we had someone come and they were like, well, I'm going to pray all these certain candidates win. And I'm going to pray that black people bow down to us and they, you know, fall into place. And it was kind of like, okay, like that's a little, you know, little absurd. And what's disheartening is because I work with um, people that are atheists and I work with people who are Christians and being in that environment, you know, more atheists are like, see, that's why I don't believe, or that's why I don't, you know, support Christians because of behavior like this. And they're like, you know, that's just hateful. Like you are, you know, praying for one group to win. And then you're talking about, you want people to bow down. And, you know, and you, when you work around people that are non-believers, they're like, that's exactly why I don't believe because, you know, situations mm-hmm. like that. And it's, you know, it's disheartening and disturbing. And then, and when that is occurring, which is definitely disheartening and disturbing. But when that occurs, though, do you, do you how do you react if in the moment that it's going on? I just try, you know, I try to put the best foot forward. I'm like, okay, well, have a good day, you know. Thank you for your prayer, you know, and I'll be praying for you that things go better for you and that you have a change of heart because that's not what believers do. And I don't, you know, try to push back or try to, you know, change their mindset because it's like, that's not my job, but I'm always like, you know what? I'm gonna pray for you. (laughs) Okay. That's good. That's good. A good way to handle it. And as, as a a female and a woman of color, I hear you say you've had experienced some different things as well that weren't so favorable. So how do you address being a a African-American female that's in politics and then you're running into maybe some pushback or negative uh, situations. How do you deal with that? That is definitely where I have gained a lot of tough skin because there are so many things that came at me that I never thought that I would experience. Um, Especially it's like, okay, we're all adults. Like this shouldn't even be a thing, but I have definitely like, I've gained tough skin. And the one thing I will say is that the people that I work for, they are even more on attack mode. So when they see, you know, discrimination or they see racism, they immediately jump ahead. And these are people that are opposite of me, Caucasian, um, whether it be Hispanic, others, and they jump out for it before I can even say anything like, no, that is wrong. And so I feel very protected. I think that's also helped a lot too. Oh, that's good. So those that are around you are are actually standing up and saying this isn't right, even before yes. you even have to stand up. That's excellent. That is excellent. And that's when, you know, the Lord is, is actually protecting you and he's with you no matter what. If he told you to do it, he's going to provide provision 
Now, I'm not just talking about financial provision, but he'll provide that emotional provision, that support that you need in the area of people to back you up and all of that, the clout and everything. And so that's, that is amazing that those things still are happening up, up into this day. We're in 2023 and we still have to deal with that kind of stuff. Yes. You know. But you have that tough skin. I hear you can't, I hear you saying tough skin. And you have the skin, the tough skin. And when you say tough skin, tell us what you mean by that. Tell the audience, what does it mean to have tough skin? When when I say tough skin, you definitely can't let a lot of things get to your heart and take a, and you know attack you where someone sees you at a weak moment or seeing you you know break a sweat or ready to cry. You have to. You know, like the old school saying, like words, you know, sticks and stones may break my home, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's one thing that I have, you know, learned in this um, atmosphere is that so many people will spew out some very hateful words, but you never let them see you break down. You walk with your head up and you just keep it moving. You let all the water roll off your back. And when I get home, you know, there's a time where I may, you know, let my hair down and breathe and cry and talk to my husband. But when I'm in that moment, you will not see me. You won't get the best of me. Oh, good. Good, good. So you just be strong, just like the water off the duck's back. They say you let that stuff roll right on off. Yes. (laughs) Oh, good. That's, that is excellent. So, um, how can we change the political climate that we're under at this time? By getting involved, by really getting involved. There's so many opportunities, whether it's working at a precinct, whether it's running for office, whether it's working for a politician and changing the environment and being in those places and being at those spaces, being on those tables. There's so many boards that people can be on and getting involved, even when you don't even have to run for office where you can be appointed to work in certain spaces where we need to get in those and we need to get in those places. And instead of constantly complaining or going on social media and hearing all the hate and, you know, jumping on one forum to agree with this person, get involved and then hold people accountable. And if they say that they're going to do one thing and they don't vote them out. (laughs) And find somebody else who can do better. And that's how we change the environment and stop letting the same old stuff happen. Because if we continue to let the same patterns happen, nothing will ever change. And if we want change to happen, we got to do it with action. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's getting out your comfort zone. Something might be calling you to serve and it's outside of you going to work and it's outside of you being a parent or being a spouse where you have to step outside of that. And a lot of times when you step outside your comfort zone, you'll be surprised at what you can do. Mm-hmm. So when they're stepping outside of that comfort zone, do, should they step out the out being prepared, knowing what they're getting into first? I mean, prepared in terms of having to have a, a, a background in politics, knowing a little bit about what they're getting into, doing maybe their research and their study about that particular party that they want to get involved in? Or is it more like more of an on-the-job type of um, study where you just walk into it and then you learn as as you go? It's definitely one of those things where you, it's on-the-job, where you learn as you go. You don't need a special degree. Even if you know just basics and politics, that's totally fine. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. There's people that I know that are politicians that are physical therapists, have no background in politics, but they had a passion. They wanted to run. Some people were a stay-at-home mom, and it was just something that caught them that wanted to run. So you can come anywhere and don't be intimidated by, you know, the things you see on TV and people you see in DC because half of those people, they don't have the degree. They don't have the background and the education they gained was because they continued to do that work and they got elected. That's good. And so they, they are walking and they're walking in what they, their passion is mm-hmm. instead of maybe what that education that they obtained. Yes. Is and all. And so people can can definitely get. I we I, you know the actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Many years back, he was like, you know, I think he was a governor in California. Yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And you have even people like him and even um, Ronald Reagan many years back, you know, he was an actor. Yes. In, in his younger years. And yes, and was president of the United States. Yeah. And whatnot. Isn't that something? It you know, is. So yeah, you can do it. And now we definitely have, um, I can't call his name in, in Georgia, the gentleman that is a pastor in Georgia and he was elected to Congress twice. Yes. Um, yes. I cannot call his name right now, but yes, he was elected twice and all. So you can get out there and get involved in the, in the arena, which is good. Now, um, I know that that you're the work that you're doing and as a Christian woman, that this is rooted in, in your Christian beliefs and um, that you're pursuing justice for those that are in whatever party. Like you said, you're, you're working, you know, in a non-biased position, but having as a Christian with, with your Christian beliefs and working in the arena of politics, how, can you help me understand how can you um, maintain your belief system and stand for what you believe in when so much around you sometimes can be can be corrupt in the area of politics? I would say for me, one thing is that I'm always true to myself. And if there's something that I'm not comfortable in, I won't be in that place. If there's a space that I don't want to be in, I just won't be in that space. No matter what different, you know, accolades it may come through, if it questions who I am, then I won't be in that space. And also as a believer, I also, I love people. And when I love, and the fact that I love people, I'm always thinking about things that better my community and that would help benefit everybody and not coming at it from a judgmental lens and always pray about things. And whether I'm sitting in a room full of non-believers or believers, I'm always true to myself and I would never down someone like, okay, you're not a believer, so I can't be here because we can all work together. And then with believers, you know, it's even more of a connection because then we can talk about other stuff from a godly sense and I'm comfortable on both those places, but I'm never, you know, water myself down. I'm always just true to who I am. And in, in your job, this is in a secular arena. Mm -hmm. Are you able to actually talk or, or mention anything about your Christian beliefs, or do you pretty much keep, keep that to yourself and just have it govern who you are, your character no. and things? No, I'm actually, I'm able to talk about it. And there's people that are very open, you know, to be like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe. And, you know, we've had those conversations, like I'm a believer. I don't judge you. And people respect that because everybody, even in government sectors and in politics, everybody always wants to know because they want to know where everybody stands. Okay. And then they also want to challenge you too, because if they find out, you know, you're a believer, then you are on that chopping block. Cause they're like, Oh, well they believe. So they wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. So you're always on that chopping block. And then they're always trying to figure out if you're trying to condemn them or judge the lifestyle that they live. Mm -hmm. And does that, does that bother you knowing that they think that art is she out to condemn me or she out to judge me and all, does that kind of live rent free in your head, like running around in your head, those thoughts, when they do find out it used to it used to um and mainly it would you know come into my head when i worked in the criminal justice sector but now where i am today it doesn't really run through my head the one thing that always runs through my head is i just want to make sure that that person is not offended and that i'm also letting them know like i'm not here to judge you okay. wherever you are that's where i'm here to meet you that's good that's good now um throughout the bible from his earliest books, the courageous prophets that challenged their country's failure to respond to the needs of the poor and into Jesus, the New Testament's teaching and, and the apostles' writing. So throughout the entire Bible, people have actually, actually stood up for what was right and challenged and challenged things that were not going right. And they actually put their very lives on the line, just like we saw back in the early 50s and 60s, how people challenged the status quo and they put their lives on the line in actually in response to the needs of those that were disenfranchised, those that did not have a voice so that they could, they could actually earn the right to vote and stand up and be all that they were to, to be. And so 
this is actually something that that runs all throughout the old and and um the new testament of the bible compelling people to stand up and take take a stand for what is right mm -hmm. um as as christians you and i you know i i believe that the lord would want us to walk humbly before people and even though we may know more about a situation than they know about we may be more abreast or more educated in some area but still humility when you talked about in the beginning of the podcast those relationships it takes a humble person to be able to come around to your home and share and talk and get on someone's level and not think that they're better than or talking um big words and about politics and you don't know what they're saying and or anything and actually just trying and actually trying to um actually manipulate in some sort of way but i believe that it's through acting through showing love and through showing mercy and just being humble that we win um, those relationships over on whatever side that we are on, Republican Party, Independent Party, Democratic Party, or whatever it might, wherever the chips might fall. Mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the Bible, in Micah 6 and 8, it compels us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And when we, when we are doing that, you know, I believe that the Lord is, the Lord is honored. Mm -hmm. with our with with what we are doing it's it's a difficult arena to be in i would imagine i i haven't i haven't had the the urge to work in the political mm -hmm. arena but i applaud you and those that that have that passion to to do what you're doing and all now can you tell us what are some of the high points i asked you for some of the cons that when you're working in, the, in this arena, but what are some of the things that are that are more favorable, or what you say are the high points of the type of work that you do? I would say some of the high points. Um, one thing that I always get a joy out of is seeing young people getting involved and seeing young people out, you know, fighting for what's right and not and being fearless. That's one thing that I really love seeing that passion and drive. And then I also, um, I'm very big into making sure that people exercise their rights to vote and their freedom of speech. And one thing that I love is that when I'm working with um, citizens who are just getting their citizenship and they're able to vote. I'm always so excited because that passion there and they're like so happy. Like I finally get to vote and then they finally feel like they have a, you know, a purpose in this country. And that's something that really gives me passion. Those two things when I see it just, it gives me more motivation and just keep going on. That's good. And with, with people like that, or when they come and they vote, are they voting for the very first time? Then? Yes. Yes, in this country. Yes, I would imagine that that's that is really amazing to be able to play a part in, in all, with with the work that you do, and all your with your current role. Can you tell us the podcast audience what you listed that in your bio that you currently are the planning commissioner for the city of Kalamazoo? Mm -hmm. Can you? Can you tell us what, what that entails as being a planning commissioner? Yes. So being a planning commissioner for the city of Kalamazoo, basically what I do is we help um, design the roads in the city of Kalamazoo. We approve neighborhoods. We approve, you know, whether businesses are coming in. We approve um, bike lanes, the infrastructure of the city, how it all runs. And then we also take redis residents into consideration too and let them come and speak at the table and we're also okay. looking to protect like the natural features protecting the water protecting wildlife and all those different things are coming in you know for discussion even as far as like you know putting up a wireless tower for cell phone service like all those different things and making sure that the city functions properly and that neighborhoods make sense oh bye and then also you said in in your bio that you are currently the elections coordinator for Kalamazoo County. That's mm -hmm. in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for those that are listening from other states and countries. Tell us a bit about what that entails. 
Yes. So being the elections coordinator, um, I help people run for office if they want to file. I make sure that they're accountable for the finances, for the money that they spend in their campaign. I do a lot of uh, campaign training when it comes to candidates. Then on the other side, I program the tabulators that people use to vote on on election day. I help edit ballots to make sure the ballots are correct. And then I also train people to work in elections. So everybody that's working that are poll workers, I'm also helping them too. And beyond that, I'm also doing voter education. So I'm always wearing like multiple hats. It just depends on the season. <laughs> oh my. So um, is this a year round position? Yes. Because mm -hmm. there's always an election. <laughs> Okay, so it's always going on. So it's not only just during the certain times of the year, it's year-round. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yes. And so you said there's always an election. So what are some of the elections that we know the major ones? We know right. the, the presidential election. We know the mayor election and all that, you know. But what are some of the other elections that we may not be familiar with? Yeah. So like in off season years, you'll run into school elections where they're um, trying to get millages to pay for schools. There'll also be different townships that run off season elections in the summertime where they're looking to build roads or they're looking to increase your taxes for, you know, a fixed infrastructure. And then there's also um, city council races that are off, um, off season from like those bigger elections. So that's why I said there's always something. And whether it's somebody mm -hmm. asking for a proposal or somebody running for just a smaller office. It's always something going on. Yes. And so, and also you said in your bio that you oversee all the election operations for Kalamazoo County in Michigan. So when you oversee all the um, elections operations, what does that entail? Yep. So what that entails is all the programming for the tabulators, making sure that all the ballots are created and ready to be produced because we have to get everything out almost 45 days before an actual election, mm -hmm. making sure that all the clerks have all their proper things that they need so that they can actually run the election once it's done. Once all the, like, all the stuff is done, sir. That sounds like a very busy, very busy position to be in and and what do you have volunteers as well helping in that process or not nope not in that process no so it's a one-man show <laughs> oh my busy and yes. uh, so where do you see yourself um in five years in terms of working in this arena i would eventually um my goal is um, possibly to stay in my same role, but I would eventually also like to run for uh, political office, start off small, and then kind of work my way up. And that's kind of my goal. That's one thing that I am thinking about, long-term goal. And then uh, also I would love to do more um, work where I'm training more candidates outside of my actual job, where I'm helping groom people and build up people to run for office. Mm -hmm. And we say you would like to possibly, to run for political office, have you thought about which which one? Um, I've either thought about running for like a city commissioner office or maybe like a county commissioner, staying local first, and then I think as years come down, maybe running for a state position. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So do you plan to advance your education more or, or are you going to stay right where you are in terms of your education level? No, my education, I've also thought about that, like going back and just um, getting more up to date when it comes to like elections. They have different election schools and then also learning law as well. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, I appreciate the time that you shared with us tonight. And I do believe that it's valuable information and that people that are listening this evening and those that are going to listen in the weeks and months and in maybe even years to come will actually gain something from what you shared this evening and those that may need some encouragement or some motivation to go forth and do this and not be afraid and intimidated that i hope that that they heard what we shared earlier that they can move forward in this arena don't let anything stop you from reaching 
the passion that's on the inside of you. And yes. so I appreciate your time and I appreciate your serving the community and in the role that you do. And also knowing that you are a woman of God, yes. most importantly, that's just amazing. Are there any last minute things that you would like to share with the audience before we close out the podcast? Yeah, the last thing I will say, um, again, those who watch live tonight or those who watch later, I pray that the conversation that we have, that you are educated, that you learn something or may be able to share something with a family member or a friend. And one last thing that I will say is that if there is somewhere that you want to be involved, whether it be in politics or being involved in your community, go out and be fearless. Go out and do it and have no regrets because we only get one life. And with being a believer of Christ, Christ stepped out there and you have to step out there too. So go and be great and make sure that you follow your passions. Thank you. Thank you so much for being our guest this evening. And I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. Father, in Jesus name, we thank and praise you this evening for this podcast episode. The topic, Lord God, of knowing our rights, knowing the importance of voting, knowing, Lord God, what it means to take up our cross in this area. Sometimes in the, this arena, Lord God, it can be a little bit challenging. It can even be a little bit inundating, and it can actually be an arena, Lord God, that can be intimidating. Lord God, but when you call people into this arena, you have already clothed them, Lord God, and provided for them and given them the provision that they need to move forth in such an area. I thank you, Lord God, for Ms. Chambers tonight, for how she came and she talked, Lord God, candidly to the audience, Lord God, about her role, Lord God, in serving in this capacity. Lord God, and I thank you that you, Lord God, have undergirded her. You moved her out of one arena and you moved her right into where she needed to be. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that she is making a difference. Now, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that those under the sound of my voice, that they would move, Lord God, according to the passion that you have put on the inside of them. Now, I feel, Lord God, that there are people that want to get involved in this arena that there are Christians that are wanting to move forward, but just don't know how to do it, or maybe a little bit intimidated by it. But I pray that by the conversation tonight, that they would be encouraged, Lord God, and they would move forward, Lord God, and stand up, Lord God, and begin to operate in this arena of, Lord God, elections and voting and knowing the importance, Lord God, of Lord God, exercising their voice and exercising that God-given right and privilege. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless Miss Charday. Lord God, pour back into her what she has poured back into this audience tonight. Now, Lord God, we pray that you would get the glory out of this podcast, Lord God, and that those, Lord God, that are listening today, tomorrow, months to come or years to come, that their very lives would be changed because of what we shared this evening. These and all other blessings we ask in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, thank you again for being my guest this evening. You have definitely caused us to have to set the bar higher because of your being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Have a good evening. You too. Good night. Good night. The Lotus Flower Podcast, the importance of voter education, knowing your rights, season three, episode six, with our very special guest, Ms. Charday Chambers. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. The podcast airs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, streaming live on Facebook, 
streaming live on the Lotus Flower YouTube channel, as well as streaming on wherever you find your audio podcast. Strength and resilience are always two things that are paramount when moving into arenas that you are unfamiliar with or maybe a bit intimidated by. Know that the Lord will undergird your every effort. He will take you through. If he called you to it, he can take you through it. In Psalms 20, verses 6 to 7, it encourages us that, Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with his victorious power in his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I want you to be encouraged this evening to know that no matter the political climate that we are finding ourselves in, in this day and age, that victory belongs to the Lord and that we are placing our trust in him because it is in him that we move and it's in him that we live and it's in him that we have our very being. Thank you all for listening this evening to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of the podcast when we will be in season number three, episode number seven of the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Robinson, bidding you a blessed and prosperous evening. Thank you so much for joining me for the Lotus Flower Podcast. It is the flower that blooms in adversity that is the greatest of them all, the Lotus Flower. Good night.